Good morning and welcome to Stroke TV show and podcast. This is the for me the professional segment. Have we get special guests for me this morning? We've got Master Troop who went for six stroke survivor to practitioner. And we're gonna hear her stories. Let me let's get the beta bopper most we'll go right into it. So without further ado, let me bring on our incredible co-host, Deborah Swayze. Hey, hey I'm How are you hey, doing Deborah. today, Aaron? Really good, Deborah. Let me good. bring in our incredible guest, Melissa Truth. From hey, patient Melissa. to practitioner. Patient survivor to practitioner. Patient to practitioner. <laughs> oh, please, that's right, patient. I'm dealing with something like that. <laughs> so, Melissa. Hey, Melissa. I do. I'm great to see you. Where are you located, Melissa? Oklahoma. And why don't we take him and introduce us to the audience? Okay, I am Melissa. I am an NLP practitioner and coach, um, hypnotherapist, timeline therapist, master mindset coach, and master life coach. So, curious, what is a practitioner? I don't know what one is. A practitioner is someone who practices something. I am a practitioner of these things. So, theoretically, I'm a stroke practitioner. Theoretically? <laughs> I practice Theoretically, yeah. Or you're a live stream practitioner. Podcast practitioner. There you go. But Melissa, I would really, really want to know you had a stroke when? When did you have a stroke? July 5th, 2015. I woke up feeling as anxious as I had every day for the last 41 years. And that day I felt just a little off, like maybe almost like a hangover. But I was having up to work, upwards of three migraines a week. I was hardly ever, I was working, going to the gym, functioning, doing all this with these migraines. So wow. when I woke up that morning, I felt, eh, so I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to lay in the sun for a while and see if some vitamin D will help. Didn't really work. Eventually ended up in the shower where the rupture happened. Oh, I remember being on my knees. It felt like if I had to really describe it, a gunshot going off on the inside. And it just kind of sat there. <clears throat> I jumped out of the shower and crawled into the bed for about three hours. And when I woke up, I just had this headache that would rotate with the rest of my body. Like if I laid on this side, this I would wake up and it would be on this side. So that's why I really didn't think it was an aneurysm because they say the pain doesn't move. But what had happened is the aneurysm had stopped itself up and stopped bleeding but all that blood is what was causing the pain to move. So if I would lay on this side, all the blood would pull. And if I would lay on my back, it would all. And so oh from God. there, the next four years, I basically spent in bed. And, and I remember things that the doctor said, like some of those discussions maybe shouldn't be had 
in our rooms as we are unconscious fighting for our lives. Like you have a 4% chance of survival. Yeah. And even if you do survive, you may not walk, talk, think, eat, breathe by yourself. Like those mm -hmm. conversations just aren't necessary. They shouldn't be. I, uh -uh. I was and taught so, that you never do that. That's horrible, Melissa. I hate that for you. And they also said at that point that I that five years was the magic goal. So what healing would happen would happen at the five-year mark. When the four-year anniversary came around and I was still in bed, I was still in pain. I was still like so confused from the initial act of the surgery, which no one really takes the time to explain to us. Therapy is minimal and they just let us go on our own. Here you go. Go home. We're done with you now. We'll see you in a year. What? And so I'm laying in bed at the four-year mark going, there has to be more. There has to be. I don't want to be an ordinary stroke survivor. I want to be extraordinary. And how do I get there? And I started just grasping at holes. If someone said this worked to help you sleep, I would do it. If someone, I was, and then I just started picking apart the pieces that worked. In May of 2016, I had cognitive testing done. And I tested around the 60 percentile mark, which is really not that great. But in April of 2020, I tested again, superiorly. Wow. All of that 60%, it's gone. That's how I knew what I was doing was working. So then it was just catching the emotional side up with the fact that my brain had healed. And there's a certain amount of guilt as a stroke survivor that I felt. Why me? At first it was, why did this happen to me? Then why did I heal? Why? What, for what purpose? This is the only thing I can think of to help others. And so over that year, from the four-year mark to the five-year mark, by the time the five-year mark hit, I was going to the gym. I'm anxiety-free. The PTSD is what? Gone. And Ooh. just all the things. Like, I don't wake up in the morning going, what fresh hell can this day bring? My first thought in the morning is, thank you. Yeah. I'm here. Yeah. For what I love purpose? It. I don't know, but I got it. Yeah, I love it. I think we'll be the ones that start knowing you brought that up. You said, I didn't want to be an ordinary stroke survivor. I want to be extraordinary. And so many stroke survivors out there are, are just that. They're stroke survivors. They're not stroke survivors. You have so many this is not your name. I could name Virginia and introduce you properly. But what do you think? I think it really takes that stroke survivor to get to that point to say, um, I don't want to be a survivor. I want to be a survivor. I want to do something in life. And that's and, what's done. And the energy flows where the attention goes. So if you focus on on the negative that's where your energy will flow but if you focus on okay i can walk talk i can do all those things they said i probably wouldn't do what more is there what can i not do there's nothing i can't do unless i decide i can't do it that is so true and that's what we at stroke tv tell people all the time don't let somebody define where you're going you pick and define where you're going to go because doctors 
are, first of all, what doctors do is they are diagnostics. They look for what is wrong. Nurses nurture, but patients recover and flourish. And sometimes it's in spite of us and sometimes it's because of us. And that's what we're always saying. Don't, you know, let somebody tell you, well, that's as good as you're going to get because nobody, nobody knows that but inside of you. You've got to know yourself that you've gone and you've pushed as far as you want. So I love this today because that's exactly what you did. And that's what, you know, we we are just so excited about telling the community about is just be your own, be your own advocate, push yourself. Well, and Stroke TV kind of is where it started for me because Aaron used to talk about not being the victim. And I felt like mm -hmm. at that four year mark, I was a victim of my own circumstance and yep. I could choose to fight every day and show up every day and be present every day, or I could lay in bed and feel sorry for myself. Those were my options. Yep. And I had no physical like stamina. No, I was, cause I was in bed for four years. So I started dancing in bed. I'd turn on the music and I would just move what I could move. And then the next thing I know, I'm doing 500 squats a day. Cause why not? Wow. I Incredible. Just... Well, so many times, Doc, uh, yeah, I was in the same, but Melissa, you had a brain, you had a brain aneurysm. Yep. I also did. I had mine in the shower. It dropped me like a rock in the shower. And my wife is told by the doctors, if your husband does make it, let me, let me back up to bed. They told my family I wasn't going to make it. In fact, they beat me in the room. So you to say your last goodbye because you're going to die. And when you allow doctors to put your box, it'll, it'll stop you. Don't listen to them. Because look, there's a list. You were put in the box by doctors. I so I was never going to speak. I was going to be a drooling, babbling mess. You know, that weren't diverse. It was going to be terrible. And well, as we help, we can see when we're not anything what the doctors had right, Melissa. I mean, I'm not. And that hope for people that are in that position that we were in has to come from a group of us. We yeah. have to build that foundation. There should be someone who knows running in every brain unit. We should be part of the team. For every head trauma, concussion, there should be someone available who knows what that confusion is like to wake up, hooked to hoses, unable to speak, unable to open your eyes, but be there, know what they're saying, feel your loved one's tears as you're unconscious. We know others just, they can say they understand, but clearly, I'm sorry. They don't. We know what that feels like. And if we are there to intercept them, we can say, hey, can you take that conversation to advocate for them? The conversation exactly. will be best on the other side of that door. Or Absolutely. can I get in here and just maybe talk some positive stuff to this unconscious patient? Because when we wake up and we are that confused, that one healing voice that was there, even if it's a recording that we're able to produce so that it can be used, 
um, the suicide rates and all of these things after head trauma are just astronomical. And it's because we're pushed out the door like nothing ever happened. And this is your brain. It runs this, which yeah. runs this. I mean, it's a never ending cycle. So anywhere there's dis-ease here, there will be dis-ease here and vice versa. But we're the only ones that can build that team of qualified because we're practitioners of stroke, right? Absolutely. And I love that because I say that all the time. The thing is, is we at Stroke TV want to partner up like with people with Melissa and we can do bigger things is have people available. Let's say in your county, we can get people available on standby. If somebody you know or hear about is in a hospital with a stroke, have somebody go meet the family there. Walk the family through it as well because it's just scary to the family. Now, I've always had this dream in my head when I was a nurse of starting a company to be an advocate for a patient in general. But now this is more fine-tuned towards survivors that cannot speak for themselves because I have seen miracles where doctors will literally use the term, I hate it, I didn't make this up, but it's a term that's used in medicine, circling the drain. And they will say, that patient, chalk it up, they're circling the drain, meaning they're going. They're not going to be any better or they're dying. And nurses hate that hate that statement so we watch the ones that we heard circling the drain are the ones that walk have family have music in their room have conversations like they are present and not in this coma and when we talk to them we talk to them like they're there and i have seen miracle after miracle in my 40 years of patients walk back down that hall to us and say thank you to the nurses for what we heard or what music we played because they were there and they heard it so that is huge melissa huge and that's where the nlp comes into play is speaking the words that your unconscious mind longs to hear amen so speak in positives and what we do want not what we don't want in fact that's one of the you know prime directives of the brain is it doesn't process negatives for example if you say i don't want to be this a b or c your brain is going to seek it because it doesn't process the don't Mm -hmm. For example, if I say, don't think of a purple elephant, what happens? Think of a purple elephant. And that's just, NLP is so vast. That's just a very easy example of something so simple. And people's positive words of affirmation being I am statements instead of you are statements. Because if you're saying you are and you're pointing at yourself in the mirror, instead of owning it, you're telling yourself that's what you want to be mm -hmm. instead of what you are. Like for me, my affirmation in the morning is I am happy. I am healthy and I am whole. I love that. And I do it while I brush my teeth with my left hand. If you can, yeah. because it disengages the critical faculty and your unconscious mind, your conscious mind is busy over here on this left hand who doesn't know how to hold a toothbrush. So right. your unconscious mind gets to play 
and hear those affirmations. So you're speaking to your unconscious. So boys, I'm just curious, was your fetus hide your left side? Yes, and I have almost zero deficit. Occasionally I'll drop a cup or get a little shaky, mm -hmm. but I'm well, almost when I you almost had your stroke, did were you what was your deficits then and what are they now? Um I would say my main deafness deficits come from um like neuro fatigue, sometimes mm -hmm. brain I can tell when I'm tired, all bets are off. If I don't Me get too. eight hours of sleep every night, you can forget it. There's just, it's Me vast. too. But as far as physically, Aaron, I'm very fortunate to have full use of my left side. Yes. No foot drop. The foot drop's finally gone. I do get tingling and numbness occasionally. But as a general rule, I have moved past the stroke. I love that. In a way that I can, I never thought possible. I, I really never thought this arm's never going to work again. But now it's like nothing. The body is happened. amazing. The body and the mind together, when you join those two people, it is just amazing what well, you can let's, do. Let's uh, pause a minute and go shout out some of our audience members. We've got Steve Lombard out there. Hey, Steven! we got Missy Pax out there. Hey, Misty. Now, I can read this comment. Hey, Susan. This is new. I can't let people have time where I can breathe. Huh? Yeah, you know, I'm much of a you know, I'm telling you, when you think you have a bad, that someone's always got it worse. I'll tell you, I, I see some strokes, marvelous, that would give anything to move like. I, I watched Melissa move their arms. I'm so amazed with that. I, I'll move my left arm. Like my arm has been stuck in this position for 11 years. I just, I, I don't, I can't explain the miracle. I can just embrace it. Yeah. Absolutely. That, that's all I got. I, I can't explain it. Don't understand it. Don't care to. I just want to embrace it and, and yeah. live it every day. Cause yeah. You do, you do you said something, you wake up happy morning with a grateful attitude. And you mentioned one of my favorite sayings, which is where your focus goes, your energy flows. That so many stroke survivors are focused on the negative. The focus, I have a stroke. I can't do this. I, I can't do that. I can't, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't. And they wonder why their attitudes in the dark hole. It's because of where the focus goes, the energy flows. Now, wake up in the morning, go, I shall plot on the line. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I made a bad move. Like, I mean, even if we assure me, I mean, have this pizza, I'm happy in my life. And when my little dog wakes me up at 5 a.m. because he's geriatric and I have to get out of bed and take him outside, I'm just grateful that I have a little furry friend that loves me so much. Yes! <laughs> I love that! <laughs> That's 
how I get when I get so frustrated with them and I have a bad day because I'm tired and, and they're in and out of the house or they just want so much attention. You know, I get so frustrated with them and then I stop and I look at their faces and I'm like, oh my God, I have them today. They're here and they're happy and they're a pain in the ass, but I love them. And they're them. probably being a pain in the ass because you're stressed out and they're trying to intervene. Yeah, that's what they do. They are all animals are support animals. But oh, you know, the biggest thing I'm getting from the show right now is attitude. Your attitude, survivor out there. <laughs> Look at what Melissa doing with her life as a survivor. Her attitude was there's got to be more. There's got to be more. Never ever satisfied. I'm not satisfied by man by any means. I'm not satisfied by stroke TV is. I'm not satisfied by my rugby building is, my life after stroke. But there's there's an unsettled unsatisfaction that occurs that is a motivator. I agree. And just recently, in the last day or two, I really feel like I'm reaching a breaking point. I've been a wizard for 11 years. I've been, I did just come home, you just feel like I've had enough. It doesn't get, like you said, Melissa, there's got to be more. It's time for me to chase my dreams. It's time for all survivors around the world to chase their dreams. This stroke is not the end. So many survivors out there blink it stroke is the end, but it's not. I think for me, stroke was the beginning. That's where it all started. Whatever lesson I was supposed to have learned from that, I really think it was how to manage my PTSD, anxiety, all that stuff that existed before the stroke. Me too. And me too. That's where timeline therapy comes in is releasing all that negative emotion from your whole body because it's we're, we're all just cells, right? So you release the negative emotion from the root cause and let it go, taking forward positive learnings. So because anger is an emotion you should experience. It's natural. You shouldn't fight it. Things can make you angry. It's not living there. Exactly. It's saying, okay, this made me angry. This is why. Is this appropriate anger? If it is, then you process it. If it's inappropriate anger, you find a way. Just let it go. This is inappropriate. I, I responded inappropriately. Like when I holler at my little dog at 5 a.m. when I'm just so tired. And I don't <laughs> want that is inappropriate anger. It's not his fault. He's got a small bladder, whatever. Right. But it's it's about finding ways to look on that side of thing. It's about living above the veil, oh, opening your unconscious mind so that you can live above the veil that you have internally set. Cause that's all we are is our own internal representation. And so there's lots of big words like it's called psycho neuroimmunology is basically what all of this is the study of. It is what goes on here, goes on here, mm -hmm. goes on here. <laughs> and it's one Absolutely. big, and I think, I feel like at, when we have a stroke or something, we're not looked at as a unit. We're looked at as a brain. Yeah, and not true. Not what this unit, even if there's not a lot of, you know, things don't make sense when you wake up from all that. 
or a unit, a whole person. Your car gets a flat tire. You're not going to change the transmission. And I feel like but, there's just so much awareness and so much knowledge that's out there that we're not even able to, like with my stroke group, we tried to set up something with our local hospital where we could go in and then it's HIPAA laws this and HIPAA laws that. What about the person? Who cares about the HIPAA? Yeah, I mean, have some, them sign a release we, for Christ's sakes. They won't even let us go that far. <laughs> they won't even let us come to the point where we're asking for that. That's why there's practitioner behind my name. I think we can get in under that, guys, under yeah. that. I now have a title, so HIPAA laws do apply to me. And right. I can sign a release now. I'm not just a stroke survivor. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's kind where, of... I just love, I love where you're going with this because that's kind of my vision, you know, down the road is to have stroke TV to where anybody can open it up in a hospital and know that we're there and say, oh, my loved one is laying here. I need to talk and find out and have different, different sections to go to like a search engine find out who's a practitioner of this, who's experienced this kind of stroke and guide them directly to that. And if they want a group to latch onto a group and have them come in or a person, because I, what I realized, um, and I was a nurse for so many years, but it took my stroke for me to realize they touched on what they saw, what the MRI showed, but nobody touched on, well, how are you living your life, Deb? What is your stress level? What are you eating? How much are you sleeping? That wasn't touched on. I came home and did that myself. I had a friend that introduced me to different ways to feel better and get better. I, I didn't know how important hydration is to my brain and the right hydration, not drinking chemicals and, and stuff in a plastic bottle, um, different kind of supplements, which you and I were talking about, you know, we're, nobody's making any medical claims here. Well, let me tell you that straight up, right guys, we are not medical uh, advisors and we're just trying to give you some information. If you want more, talk to your doctors. But um, there's a lot of over-the-counter supplements and herbs and foods that have things in them that can help you. It, you want to get away from this era of a pill for an ill. I hate that pill for an ill because what the doctors will do is, oh, your cholesterol is high, take this. Your blood pressure is high, take this. You, you know, you need this, this, and the other. Wait a minute, a lot of that stuff can come from food, can come from exercise, can come from movement of your body. So touch on that a little bit. For me, um, when I did get started, I started, of course, on the internet saying, I have this, what can help this? And how can I naturally help this, that, or the other thing? And so, for example, um, I... When I cook a meal, I start with all fresh herbs, organic, mm -hmm. rosemary, thyme, oregano, sage, mm -hmm. garlic, yeah. onion, all organic. And that's oh. my base for every meal I make. And that's just where it starts. And that can turn into tacos, spaghetti, you know, chicken and rice, whatever the case may be. But that's where I start. And if mm -hmm. there's something in particular, 
say, I got a cramp in my foot day after day after day. I'll go to the internet and say, Ooh, wet arm helps with a cramp in a foot. And, and then I'll just add a little bit of that to every meal and whether it actually works or I believe it works, doesn't matter because it's working. Works. Yeah. So Absolutely. I, and then and also with my sleep, I went, I'm having such a hard time shutting off, going to sleep. I go to bed, a million thoughts are racing through my head and I forgot to change the laundry. So 45 minutes before bedtime, I make myself a cup of warm milk that I turn into a decaf tea. And that is my 45 minutes. And I'm sitting with my salt lamp and my diffuser yeah. and all the things while I drink my warm tea. And I'm not engaging with the TV or my phone or the anything. And I'm just, just me. And if anything, yeah. if there was anything that day that bothered me or felt like it took my attention or focus or something, I address it in a mood journal. And I have a happiness box where I collect fancy things, you know, stickers, bumper stickers, anything that can fit in the happiness box. And I'll scrapbook journal with it. I'll just start gluing strips of paper and stickers just during that 45 minutes of me time to reflect upon okay, this happened today and it made me feel this way. Was that appropriate? Or maybe do I just need to let it go and think of it this way? Because really when you change your thoughts, you change your life. Mm, absolutely. You know what I have is into the happiness box, which is pretty much the same thing is, and I learned this from an elementary school teacher, my kids back in 20 something years ago. 25 years ago, they were in elementary school. And uh, actually, what am I talking about? 35 years ago, holy cow, I'm old. 35 years ago, they were in elementary school and they had us bring in an empty Kleenex box. And when we went to pick the kids up from school, they were so excited to show us these boxes that were decorated and they were beautiful, sprinkles and glitter. And I said, what is that, honey? And they both were so proud to tell me, well, it is God box. And that's where, mommy, if we get mad or upset, we write something down and we put it in the box and God takes it. Let go, let God type thing. So I created, I have this beautiful box that my mother bought when we lived overseas and it's gold painted. It is beautiful. And that's my God box. Something irritates me and I can't compartmentalize it where it's supposed to be, whether I'm going to go back to it, whether I want to let it go, whether I want to address it. It goes in that God box and you deal with it later, guys. You can deal with things later. <laughs> There are so many, you know, I think I heard Nils say, they dropped me off. I understood they had dropped me and said, good luck. How many of us out there in this community feel the same way? Mm -hmm. Feel the same way where we're just dropped off. And that's where I would like to show TV to, to, come, to be a feel that gap. I mean, now we're starting to collaborate with America's Heart Association. If we can, and they've got some incredible content. And they do. You help fill that gap where Church of Office has to go down the hospital and dropped off the doorstep and said, Good luck. I know. And that's why we need each other. And that's why we, on every show, I say, 
share our content. You don't know who it's going to help. And please go tell everyone to subscribe. You know, we have been asking this for a long time, guys. Our, weird, our numbers are just not moving on YouTube, and I don't understand why, because I think we're bringing great content, you know. So we really need your help, because someday this could be your loved one, your family member, you it could be that's going to help. So we really need to you know, have you guys help us out more. But yeah, I do have a question for Melissa. Now, Melissa, here you had your brain aneurysm, and then you came home, and four years later, four years later from the last hand you told yourself it's got to be more. And then tell me what happened when you became that breaking point, if you will, that I'm at right now. When you, when you realize how to be more, what do I, what, what did you do different? So they told me when I was released that about the five-year mark is where all the healing happens. I woke up at the four-year mark and said, this is not what I want. This can't be everything. There has to be something more. And so I started doing a little research on the internet and then I started just dancing in bed. Like I could barely move. I was in so much pain after the stroke and the, and the aneurysm that I could barely, it hurt to breathe sometimes, but I started flat on my back, just moving what I could move. And then before you knew it, there were thigh, there were legs moving while I was dancing. Wow. And the next thing I knew I'm up dancing out of my bed 15 minutes at a time. That's mm -hmm. where I set my standards 15 minutes at a time. Sometimes it was one time a day. Other times it was seven. Just depended on the day and what I, and now I walk approximately about 6,000 steps a day, just in my day-to-day -day life. Incredible. And just because I decided there had to be more, this can't be all. Well, what do you, what do you recommend for the church survivor or survivor out there that says, I'm stuck, I'm stuck in that rut. I'm stuck in feeling depressed. I'm stuck in that dark place what do you tell them first i would ask for what what purpose does it serve you to feel stuck and, and go to you got to get to the root cause of why we're feeling stuck and if it's the stroke the actual thing that happened that changed your life that moment okay and so what good are you getting out of going through the I can't, the I won't, the I don't, what, how is that benefiting you? And, and would it really hurt to think this way? Would it, would it change things maybe if you just thought about this one thing in this light and see what kind of ripple effect it has? Because I couldn't move. It hurt to move. But as I moved, the more I moved and focused my attention on that, the easier it got. And it becomes second nature. Well, I'm curious, you know, you, you, something that point you brought up, I think is really important. Is that, does it be a city whistling? I do. What is that whistling? It's not a whistling. It's her dryer. It's a dragon! <laughs> I have one too. Leave it up to our cows. Take it down. And now done, my dogs are barking. Done. <laughs> it's done. It's off. 
But you know, it's it's a looking past your stroke, looking beyond your stroke, and using it not as a stop, because so many strokes of ours around this world. Oh, I have stroke. I stopped living. But it yeah, it can be if you change the way you look at stroke. Drawing dryer says very something similar. That Melissa just commented about. That if you change the way you look at something, the things you look at will change. You can influence your. Where's Larry? You can afford. <laughs> you can. Sorry, your dog journal over. You can change the way your outlook is. The way your life currently is, you change it by the way you look at it. Don't and focus on your stroke. That's what I call living at cause. Is you not living at effect. I can't do this because of this. That's living at a live at cause. Okay, I can do this. I can do that. The rest of it is stuff that doesn't really, I mean, true happiness, all those things come from within. All the processes we need to be happy are within us already. We just have to find a way to tap into them. And part of that is living at cause. I'm not affected by what goes on. I know a lot's going on in the world today. Things have been flipped upside down for the past, what, year and a half? We all know yeah. that. Yeah. But it doesn't affect my daily. And if something does happen that I feel is unsavory or causes you know, might cause anxiety, anger, frustration, any of those things, I try not to internalize it. And in it, if I do respond in a way that I, okay, I'm living at effect. If I'm responding to this this way, I'm letting it affect my emotional well-being. So I'm living at effect. When I live at cause, those things don't affect me. I love that. I've never heard it put that way, but man, that's spot on, girlfriend. Spot that's NLP, on. girlfriend. I love it. All NLP stuff, girl. I love it. I love it. It's a good, perfect way to explain it. Let me take one minute to play this little commercial. Hold Yeah, that kind of commercial kind of goes to anything now what we're talking about. The grateful yeah. heart is a magnet for miracles. I'm telling you, circles of our survivor around the world, you want to change your life. Wake up in the morning and be grateful. Be grateful your life. Be grateful you can do the bird singing. Be grateful you're with your spouse. Be grateful you're with your kids. Right? With your dog. And one more caveat to that, when you're going to sleep at night, you're laying there, the million things in your head, if you've got them, always as you're drifting off to sleep, that grateful heart comes through. Thank you for this day. I appreciate the learnings that you've provided me. I will take them into my future. I love that. 
I love that. Yeah. And you guys listen. Let me tell you guys out here that are watching this. This is a show that needs to be shared. And reach out to this incredible lady because she's not just talking the talk. She's been there. And that's what's so important is, you know, we're going to do something with Melissa and have her come back because there's too much goodness <laughs> here to, for one show. But also, we, we're, we're reaching out to people that might want to have their own show. And you would be absolutely perfect to, to do something monthly weekly whatever fits into your um, calendar because this is the kind of stuff we want to bring people that have been there and are talking from experience because a lot of times we bring on professionals that are giving amazing information but they can't relate because they haven't been there whereas with you you have been there you're, you're walking that talk you you know walk tall with big stick <laughs> every day <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. And it and every day you're still learning. You're still growing. You're still um, and that's what's so important is I had we had a, a guest, a friend of mine from India, Saeed uh, Hussein, that was on here, and he said something that really kind of was like a, a light bulb moment, like you just had said. And he said he goes, too many people think that the stroke is like a period at the end of their their life. It's a period. It's it's not a period. It can be a pause, a comma, move forward from it. It's not a period. It's not a stop. I really don't think of life in terms of absolutes, nevers, whenevers, whoevers, all of those things. I just really don't think in absolutes. It doesn't behoove me to put every, every aneurysm survivor in one group and say we're all the right. same. Uh-uh. No, no, no. It doesn't work that way. And, and to find the difference that makes the difference, because the difference that makes the difference for me is not the same as it is for Aaron Absolutely. or for you or for anyone else who has survived such things. But when we have, we have a certain set of skills that just often get overlooked. Like if, if someone would have came to me, you know, in the hospital and said, I've survived a stroke too. I know you're confused. I know you're scared. Mm -hmm. I I'm not going to say that I understand what you're going through because that would be inaccurate. I can only imagine how you're feeling right now. Yeah. And, that's it. And, and to be there to say, there's more. Don't let these doctors put you in this little box and put you on a shelf and let you grow cobwebs. Preach it, sister. Preach. <laughs> that's it. Preach it. What that's you do is sure. you break free of that box. You stretch your that's arms, it. your legs, your whatever. Whatever it is for you that it yeah. takes to break free from the constraints that you'll never be anything or anybody because you had a stroke. Right. Brain damage is brain damage, right? Wrong. True. Neuroplasticity is very real. Oh, yeah. And how do we do that? We engage left brain, right brain, conscious brain, and we bring them to a place where they're congruent where it all works together to service you because that's your brain's job is to serve and protect you from what you have it protecting you from whatever you feed it to tell it it's protecting you from. Mm -hmm. And that happens usually within the first seven years of life. So absolutely. And then that inter internal representation system, everything else throughout your life goes through those filters. We're taking in more information in a second than there are grains of sand 
on every beach on the planet. That's, That's crazy. how much information is coming into our, our brains. We delete, distort, and generalize it from there mm -hmm. and come up with our representation of the world. Perspective, yeah. if it were. And then that is applied. But with NLP and timeline therapy, you can go back to that and change your strategies and change your thought processes from the get-go and say, this limiting belief is not servicing me. How do I get rid of it? This this limiting belief. Love it. Never be anything because I was a stroke survivor. I, that was in my head. Even as I'm getting these certifications until I stumbled across NLP and I went, ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Like, I can be whatever the hell I want to. Stroke be damned. There you go. And, and the rest of it. <laughs> What's so incredible about the brain, guys, is that there's so little known about mm -hmm. the brain. And, and people think, you know, doctors, neurologists, they know so much. You talk to one of them. Ask them what percent of the brain. Now, this is when I retired, so I don't know. It might be more now. But when I retired, only 5.5-something percent of the brain was known and studied and understood. 5%. So imagine, you know, what is unknown. And it's not a scary thing that it's unknown. It's just that they don't know how far that brain is going to take you and how much it's going to help you recover. And the bottom line is, you know, there's so many little things that you can do. When I worked in an uh, Alzheimer's unit, I used to give patients, I would buy these little booklets and you'd circle words and letters and do these little um, te brain teaser things. And all the other nurses used to say, they can't do that. What are you bringing those in for? And I was like, watch, you watch. And they would start circling everything. And within months, you'd start seeing them actually find words and pictures. And, and it's amazing what can be regenerated. And that's what you have to remember. There's so much unknown that that's a good thing sometimes. So you need to use yourself as an experiment, figure out how far you're gonna go and then help somebody like what Melissa's done. What she's done is just mind blowing guys and she's here to help you. So please reach out to her, take advantage of it. Don't just watch this and put it in the back burner. Use this video, reach out to her. Well, let me uh, pause for just one second. Someone really give, give, wants to say how do you, Melissa. Her husband. <laughs> Hi, Naomi. Naomi spent myself a Hello, dear. And of course, we got a lot of other people. And thank you for being out there. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you so much for joining. You know, so many times we get put in a box. We've said this several times in this show. There is, you know, we get put inside of a box. I was on supposed to be here today. I was supposed to die 11 years ago. But for me, even through a near-death experience I had, it was it, it was really the most life-changing, great thing that happened to me with stroke brain aneurysm. I also had a near-death experience. Wow. And before they took me into surgery, the last things I remember are, she has three aneurysms. Two are up here, and we don't know which one ruptured. 
So if we go in and do the coiling, which is way less invasive, she'll recover in six months, whatever. It's possible it might rupture. And we won't be able to get to her. So my husband decided on the craniotomy, which was fine. I didn't care. I'm just like, finally, I said to this doctor and my husband, can you all just have this conversation without me? I'm tired, drugged up here. I don't, I don't need to be part of this. Y'all make the decision. Right. Well, in fact, when they did open me up, it did rupture. And I believe Ooh. that that's at the moment my brain stopped working. That's when my wow. happened. Wow. Was when it ruptured. And it happened as soon as they got in there. Oh, my God. You're a miracle. And they were able to clip it right off. On the show tonight, you know, we're talking about near death experiences. Well, I've, we're doing, we have, oh, we're done with our special. We do a special near death experience special because I, I have one that's particularly was not. My, just the near-death experience, but how you come back from that. No shit. Excuse me. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I love That's it. true. That's real life, guys. It's not all really. about just the stroke. It's not about the aneurysm. It's not about the near-death. It's not about any of it. It's where you go from there. Oh my and God, how do you this. get here? This is my destination. How do I get here? Yep. And Aaron, you're walking. I saw you. I see you every day. Yeah. Out there walking every day. When I first met you, you could hardly stand. And that was just a couple years ago. Look at that monumental improvement. Improvement. Yeah, and he has so much more to go. He really does. But, you know, he sometimes uh, sabotages himself by thinking Absolutely. it's been too long. And we do sabotage ourselves. But, my God, as long... Aaron, you say this all the time to everybody, and I'm going to say it to you. You cannot <laughs> fail if you don't stop. And right? in my world, there's no such thing as failure. Only mm -hmm. feedback. Only That's feedback. It. This didn't work. That doesn't mean it did that it failed. This didn't right. work. What, what did work about this and take that into the future and what didn't work, you leave in the past. And, and you take the positive feedback and you try something else. And that's what I just did on my own. And discovering this is a whole world of NLP. It's like, I learned, okay, I did this and it worked. And then when I would take the class and be like, but that's what I did, but I can learn how to do it on a consistent basis right. and help others learn how to do it consistently. That's incredible. It's that's incredible. incredible. I, my husband says I'm just a sponge of knowledge. He's always catching me with my head in a book. What are you reading now? And it's, you know, <laughs> it seems like I'm just this sponge for knowledge. And yeah, the more I but, learn, the more I want to learn. But your sponge is incredible to others because we can squeeze it out of you and get some for ourselves. <laughs> and when you were talking about the brain earlier, it's a muscle just like this one. The more you work it, the stronger it gets, the bigger it gets. So when you yeah. work the brain... And it's going all the time. It just gets bigger and bigger. bigger. I mean, they say, you know, don't tell about our head will grow, explode. But. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that's why I, my husband says, he goes, what you, he goes, you're always looking for something and reading something, learning something. And I'm like, yeah, but that's just, to me, that's what, what drives me because everything I have learned and stored it in this little file cabinet, sometime down the road, I've needed it. I needed mm -hmm. it. And when you yeah. can do that and bring them back 
to, to the front, that's using your brain at optimal use, guys. That's incredible. Well, my husband last night even, he said, you're a solution seeker. Yeah. Because <laughs> I have done something on my Facebook page that, you know, him as a marketing director was like, it's cute and all, but I'm going to fix that for you. He's like, but I love that you found your own solution. Oh, that you just, you're always looking for a solution to things. There's not really a problem. There's only solutions, no, right? Crazy, but we are out of time. We have to now. I can't tell people really quick what you do as far as your business and what you do for church and as part of your business. My goal with the, this business is to have one of a team of people in every major trauma center in the United States of America, for starters, but a team of people that are recognized by insurance companies to say, okay, we need this coach. We need this person in here to speak to the survivor as they're unconscious, to speak to their family on what to do. Even if you just tell them, the family, just read her Dr. Seuss books all day. She just needs to hear your voice. You know, make funny, because when she does wake up, that's going to be her PTSD. Not that she's got 4%, not that all those thoughts. Every night when I went to bed, I thought I had a 4% chance of waking up. That's the PTSD that was caused by that simple, harmless conversation. What I'm saying is we start speaking before the surgery, you have a ruptured brain aneurysm. That's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. You're going to have a long road to recovery. But the way we speak to that individual when they're unconscious can change everything. Just Big by time. your voice, I, the tone in your voice. I mean, to think that we as survivors, they're unconscious because we can't open our eyes. I remember the tears, my loved one's tears. And please don't guys. I remember that. And I'm just, I think that if we get a team of us in there that knows how to speak the language, the brain loves to hear and wants to hear that you're going to make this. You are happy. You're going to be healthy. It's all going to come together. Don't put restraints on it. Don't put anybody in a little box and say, if this doesn't happen by X date, it's never going to happen. Never so not true. a word that's in my vocabulary. I love um, that. Great, I love that. Great, great advice. Melissa, what would be your advice to that new stroke survivor out there? One last, this is the last question. What would be your advice for new terms of that? Don't you ever give up. Keep, keep finding ways, things, even if it's the smallest thing. Say it's a Bible verse that just puts you in a place that you're calm. Have that verse readily available. And, and have anybody who comes to your room to visit you in the hospital. Could you read this while I go to sleep? I mean... Just positive yeah. reinforcement, not the negative stuff. Let the doctor deal with the doctor stuff outside of that stroke survivor's room. Because Absolutely. we have the right to know what's going on with us, but we also have the right to just try to survive that moment without mm -hmm. all of that other stuff going up in here. And then mm -hmm. permanently, I mean, that 4% chance I'd never wake up stuck with me for years. Five years right. before yeah. I was finally able to just go to sleep and not worry about not waking up because that's just not going to happen because I've done it for five years. 
You know, um, let me touch on something real quick before we go that she just said that really kind of uh, made me think of something. When I was doing my rounds in, uh, before I got my license, we did a round in uh, OBGYN delivering babies. They keep that environment calm, quiet for those yep. mamas that are delivering the baby. They don't want noise in the hall, noise in the room, only so many people in there. Soft music, beautiful little birthing sweeping machines that on silent. That's it. But they don't do that for people that had strokes, guys. That's just so mind blowing to me. It is to me too. I mean, I remember my room always being a whirlwind of activity, and they yes. would wake me up at four thirty in the morning to go have some tests that my husband couldn't see me off before I went because he wasn't allowed in the hospital. Right. It's like, how can you take me off for this brain scan? I just woke up from surgery. Now you're going to make me get out of this bed and get into this bed and go to this it's place. It's terrible. By myself with no one to say, I love you. I'll see you on the other side. I know. Oh, you just. I know. Oh, my God. We got to do part two. Three, yeah, four, five, six. <laughs> Debra, we have to advocate for us. You, you definitely <laughs> be must be instrumental in changing everything we just talked about. But I do want to thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for the positive energy. Thank you Thanks so much. much. I'm glad thank to be here. All right, Melissa. Thanks, Thanks everybody, for watching. Bye, everybody. Share. Bye. Share, share, share. Get the word out there. It's, it's, right. Yeah, but that was amazing. It was really. I fun. know. I know. I gotta have. We gotta have her back. I, there's so much her and I can do together. Yeah, I said yeah, because I can feel the fizzy energy. Tadra definitely. But you know, for if there's one thing I wanted to leave this show with, strokes are out there. Stroke does not have a period at the end of it. The yeah, stroke is not a pair, stroke period is the end of life. That's, don't believe that lie. Don't lie to you. You have life after stroke. The thing is, how bad do you want it? Because you're going to work really hard to get it back. And I'm at that point, how hungry are you for it back? Uh -huh. How hungry? Well, I'm getting pretty hungry, I tell you what. But yeah. then, well, thank you for Thank you for everything. Thank you for the show. Appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Please go share and go follow us and subscribe on YouTube. Really true. Thank you. Bye, everybody.